I have directed that the following initial steps be taken immediately. To halt this offensive buildup, a strict quarantine on all offensive military equipment under shipment to Cuba is being initiated. All ships of any kind bound for Cuba, from whatever nation or port, will if found to contain cargoes of offensive weapons be turned back. That voice is likely very familiar to you. It's President John F. Kennedy from 1962. And that speech? Well, it took place during one of the tensest moments in American history. President Kennedy was informing the American people that the Soviet Union had secretly begun building missile infrastructure in Cuba. But not just any missile infrastructure. They were meant for nuclear missiles. He informed the nation that he would respond with a naval quarantine, or blockade, to prevent the actual nuclear missiles from reaching the island. The president's speech marked the end of a week of intense deliberation, during which he and his advisors entertained many possible responses to the crisis. Kennedy's military advisors supported military strikes against the missile sites and Cuban forces, and the president actually wrote an alternative speech to the one he gave on October 22nd, this one beginning, quote, My fellow Americans, with a heavy heart and in necessary fulfillment of my oath of office, I have ordered, and the United States Air Force has now carried out, military operations with conventional weapons only to remove a major nuclear weapons buildup from the soil of Cuba. But what Kennedy and his advisors didn't know was that nuclear weapons were already stationed in Cuba, and American military strikes could have caused a full-fledged nuclear war. This is Nukes of Hazard, a podcast from the Center for Arms Control and Nonproliferation in Washington, D.C. I'm James McKeon, a policy analyst here at the Center. We'll have more on the Cuban Missile Crisis and how it relates to what's happening today, in 2017, in a bit. But first, we wanted to talk about the biggest nuclear-related story of the week. On Tuesday, May 30th, the Pentagon's Missile Defense Agency launched a target missile from the Marshall Islands. Minutes later, an interceptor was fired from California with the goal of hitting the missile and destroying it. The interceptor was part of the Ground-Based Mid-Course Defense System, or GMD, which is the only missile defense program that is solely meant to defend the country from a limited, long-range nuclear missile attack from a rogue country like North Korea. You might know the program by its previous iteration, which was known as National Missile Defense. This was the first intercept test in nearly three years, And according to the Missile Defense Agency, it was a success. The interceptor destroyed the target. Cause to celebrate, right? Not so much. We wanted to talk to a real missile defense expert about the test, and we didn't have to go very far. Philip Coyle, a senior science fellow here at the center, served as an assistant secretary of defense and the Pentagon's chief weapons evaluator for about seven years. He's also had other impressive posts like Associate Director at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory and Associate Director for National Security and International Affairs in the White House Office of Science and Technology. I spoke with him about the latest GMD test, the problems that have plagued the program for more than 15 years, and what the test means for the future. Phil, thank you for joining us. So let's start with the basics. North Korea doesn't yet have the ability to reach the United States with a long-range missile. But some say that if they do get that capability, we can use our own missile defenses to shoot it down. 
What missile defenses are they talking about, and is that claim true? If uh, North Korea would ever get a missile uh, that could reach the United States homeland, we would be relying on a missile defense system that's currently deployed in Alaska and in California, but which has had a very poor performance ref- record, so poor that you, couldn't, you wouldn't dare count on it, you wouldn't dare depend on it to defend against an attack. So just technically speaking, this seems like a really big challenge. A long-range missile flies through the atmosphere into space, right? And then back through the atmosphere where it strikes a target. And my understanding is the best time to intercept a missile is while it's still in space. So how fast would a long-range missile be going at that time? Well, when it's out in in space, a ballistic missile could be going 15,000 miles an hour, maybe more, depending on the capability of the rockets that pushed it out in space. And the interceptor that's trying to hit it is going that fast out in space also. So if you miss by an inch, you miss by a mile. And how fast is the missile going compared to something we're used to, like maybe an airplane? Well, airplanes travel four or 500 miles an hour. So this would be 30 times faster than um, when you're doing a continental flight in the United States. Okay, so let's talk about the specifics of this National Missile Defense Program, or ground-based mid-course defense. How much has it cost so far? All in all, uh, a little over $40 billion. Right. And even after the latest test, the failure rate of the program is still not very good overall, right? You often say that the tests of the program are highly scripted, as in not realistic. Why has that been the case? The tests that have been done have been scripted for success, partly because they're so expensive. They can cost $250 million a piece, and partly because it's embarrassing to the Pentagon when they fail. So they're scripted for success. What's astonishing to me is that the failure rate has been so high when they're set up to try to be successful. If they were conducted in a way so that the the mock enemy was trying to fool the defense, which a real enemy would do with decoys or countermeasures or other uh, tricks, the failure rate would be even worse. So what's your response to the latest test? What does it actually mean in the context of the program's entire testing record? Well, they desperately uh, needed a success. The failure rate has been so bad, they desperately needed this success. Unfortunately, their batting average is still only four successes out of now 10 tries, a success rate of only 40%, which is still not much to write home about. So the missile defense agencies are going to have to do many more tests. In particular, they need to begin testing things which they've never tried. For example, they've never done a test at night. The tests have tended to be at the same time of day when the lighting of the enemy uh, target is, is best. They need to do tests at night. They tried one one time uh, years ago, but it failed for other reasons, having nothing to do with the fact that it was done at night, and they've never tried again since. Similarly, the Missile Defense Agency needs to do tests uh, where they try different kinds of countermeasures, different kinds of, of decoys. A little bit of that has been done, but not the kind of decoys that an enemy that was really bent on fooling us uh, would use. 
Okay, so with all of that in mind, if you were elected President of the United States and someone asked you whether you could depend on this program to keep them and their family safe, how would you respond? My response would be no, because the tests already show that you can't. The test results are so poor, the system fails so often that you just can't depend on it. Thanks, Phil. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Not peace at the expense of freedom, but both peace and freedom here in this hemisphere, and we hope around the world. God willing, that goal will be achieved. Thank you and good night. In a private letter to President Kennedy, Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev labeled the naval quarantine an, quote, act of aggression, end quote, and refused to instruct Soviet vessels bound for Cuba to turn around. On October 26th, Fidel Castro, the leader of Cuba, wrote a private letter to Khrushchev advocating for a nuclear first strike against the United States if the U.S. invaded Cuba. Just when it seemed like no breakthrough was possible, Soviet representatives offered a deal to a U.S. reporter. The missiles would be removed from Cuba in exchange for assurances that the United States would not invade the island. This offer was confirmed in a letter from Khrushchev later that night. The next day, however, Khrushchev wrote to Kennedy again to propose a different deal. The Soviet Union would remove the missiles in Cuba if the United States removed Jupiter nuclear missiles from Turkey. Kennedy ignored Khrushchev's second letter and responded to the first proposal instead, affirming that the United States would refrain from invading Cuba if the missiles were removed. However, the U.S. Attorney General, President Kennedy's brother, Robert F. Kennedy, secretly met with the Soviet ambassador to the United States and indicated that the U.S. was planning to remove the American missiles. Although significant progress towards solving the crisis was made on October 27th, this day is also considered the most dangerous of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and for good reason. War almost erupted on three separate occasions. First, an American U-2 plane accidentally entered Soviet airspace. Soviet planes were sent to intercept it, but the American plane was able to re-enter American airspace in time. Then, an American U-2 plane was shot down over Cuba. Military leaders urged a military response, but President Kennedy refused. Finally, the U.S. Navy dropped depth charges near a Soviet submarine to try to get it to surface. What the Navy didn't know was that this submarine was nuclear-armed. It was only later discovered that the sub's captain believed he was under attack and wanted to fire a nuclear torpedo in return. And he very nearly did it, if it wasn't for the second captain, who talked him down. On October 28th, Kennedy and Khrushchev's deal was made public. The Soviet Union began dismantling the nuclear weapons system in Cuba. Later that year, the United States secretly began removing nuclear Jupiter missiles. You might be asking, why does the Cuban Missile Crisis matter? It happened during a different era when the world was a different place. The Soviet Union isn't even around anymore. Well, some experts have described the current situation with North Korea as a, quote, Cuban Missile Crisis in slow motion, end quote. Using military strikes to deal with the Cuban Missile Crisis would have been perilous, and that's an understatement, just like using military strikes against North Korea today would be disastrous. Through dogged diplomacy, nuclear war was averted in 1962, and that's a lesson we can never forget. 
even for those of us who weren't yet alive. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends and family. And if you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at podcast at armscontrolcenter.org. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at nukes underscore of underscore hazard. You can also like our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash armscontrolcenter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.